Welcome to the Wisdom Journey, where Stephen Davey is taking you through the Bible, all 66 books, with a new lesson each weekday. Stephen is the president of Wisdom International. He's continuing through the Gospels today with a lesson called How to Conquer Anxiety. Covetousness is a danger, and it's often fueled by anxiety. Jesus not only warns us of the temptation of covetousness, but also provides the antidote to anxiety. In our last wisdom journey, Jesus taught the huge crowd gathered around him whom they should fear. Not the Pharisees, they shouldn't be afraid of their traditions, not any man really, but the Almighty God alone. Now, apparently, one man was was too much into his bank account here in this audience, and, and he really wasn't listening at all. Here in Luke chapter 12 and verse 13, this man speaks to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Well, Jesus bluntly refuses to get involved, saying, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Now, it was typical in the days of Jesus for the rabbi to be a mediator to settle legal disputes among other people of Israel related to the Mosaic law. But that isn't the mission of Jesus. He's not setting up a little side business uh, to settle legal disputes. Now, we also know from Jewish law that the firstborn received as his birthright twice the inheritance received by younger siblings. The oldest brother was then to use that extra money to be responsible for supporting his mother along with any unmarried sisters in his family, and and that's why he received more. Well, the younger brother is speaking here, and he's become impatient. He's waiting for his share. But Jesus sees in his heart something more than impatience. And here in verse 15, Jesus says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness or greed, Jesus says, effectively. That's the real issue here. We're to be on guard. Literally, post a guard at the doorway of your heart. You know, money happens to be neutral, but our desire for it can become sinful. And Jesus says here in verse 15, For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions, In other words, a fulfilling life has nothing to do with how many things you possess. Well, what's happening today? Well, advertisers are targeting elementary school-age children to the tune of over $15 billion a year. Why? Well, that's because children can be taught that what they have isn't fulfilling. It isn't new enough or or good enough or exciting enough. (laughs) Even children can experience the cravings of covetousness. Now, to drive home this point, Jesus begins to tell a parable, and he begins here in verse 16. The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, 
be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Well, now let me tell you, the problem here with this farmer isn't his surplus. It's his spirit. He takes no thought of God. He takes no thought of anybody in need around him. He's a fool because his life is built around himself. And he's governed by the fear that one day he won't have enough. Well, now Jesus turns to his disciples specifically and speaks to them here in verse 22. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Well, you might be thinking, if, if I don't look after my needs, food and clothing, who will? Well, Jesus delivers an answer here to that question. In fact, he's going to give us what I like to call a three-part antidote to anxiety. Here's part one. Part one is to think correctly. He says here in verse 24, consider the ravens. Now, the word for consider means to think based on knowledge. In other words, when you're weighed down by worry, you need to start telling yourself the truth. Well, what's the truth? The truth is that God feeds the ravens, and you are of much more value, Jesus says, than they are. So think about it. No amount of worry is going to add to your days or change God's timing in caring for your needs. That's what he says in verses 25 and 26. And as as Jesus goes on, he says, look, if God provides for the lilies, and they're going to last just a very brief time, well, he's going to provide for your needs. And why, why would he do that? Well, because you're going to live forever, he says in verses 27 and 28. Listen, beloved, if God is powerful enough to create your life, he's powerful enough to direct your life. So think about that. That's the truth. Think correctly. Well, the second antidote against worry is to live generously. Jesus says here in verse 33, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Now, don't misunderstand. Jesus doesn't say here to sell all your possessions and give everything to the needy. Otherwise, well, you'd be needy and somebody would have to bail you out. One author explained that the Lord is encouraging us effectively here to hold on to our possessions kind of loosely, to, to live with an open hand. By the way, your possessions include your time, your talents, your testimony, spiritual gifts, to name a few. So here's part three in this divine antidote to anxiety. We are to invest eternally. Listen to what Jesus says here in verse 33. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. (laughs) Let me tell you, earth's money bags have holes in them. Our stuff doesn't last, and it isn't going to satisfy us either. So here's the Lord's advice. Invest in things that last forever. Well, what's that? Who's that? Well, God lasts forever. So invest in spreading his gospel so people will live with him forever one day. And that's the second thing. People, well, they last forever. So invest 
Invest your life in people. I'm reminded of a young man born in the 1800s who became a partner in a retail business, and eventually he became the full owner. He soon became wealthy through a chain of stores that earned him more and more profits every year. Well, then the stock market crash of 1929 left him in financial ruin. It broke him emotionally, mentally. He was crushed by the weight of anxiety about the future, and he he actually began to lose his grip on sanity. In 1931, he checked himself into the Battle Creek Sanitarium, where he wrote farewell notes to his family and friends. He assumed that he'd die there. One night, he tiptoed downstairs to roam around, and he heard music coming from the hospital's chapel. A few people had gathered, and they were singing a hymn. He went in, sat down, and listened. It was God's divine appointment for him because the words of that hymn brought to his memory the gospel from his past that he had rejected. He knew the gospel in those words were God's invitation to him. He went back to his room, got down on his knees, and gave his life to Christ. Not long after he was released, he would go on to tell people from then on that he had been born again in a sanitarium. His mental health returned, and when he was dismissed from that institution, he had newfound passion for Christ. Even though he was 56 years old, he returned to the retail business and quickly began to succeed. But now, as his wealth grew, he gave much of it to charitable causes, especially those connected to the gospel of Christ. He continued leading his company until he died in 1971 at the age of 95. His name was James Cash Penny. We know him as J.C. Penny. The year he died, his stores earned over $4 billion in revenue. But you know what? What mattered most for J.C. Penny was that he begun thinking clearly, living generously, and investing eternally. By the way, The hymn he heard that night in the sanitarium was inspired by this same text we're looking at today in Luke's Gospel. Some of the hymn lyrics go like this. Be not dismayed whate'er betide, God will take care of you. Through every day or all the way, he will take care of you. No matter what may be the test, God will take care of you. Beloved, that's the antidote to anxiety, knowing that God will take care of you. Well, until our next wisdom journey together, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Stephen called today's lesson, How to Conquer Anxiety. We have a free resource for you today. How do you respond when God says no to your plans and dreams? Well, that's a difficult situation to navigate, and Stephen Davey has a resource to help you. Stephen's written a booklet entitled, When the Answer is No. In it, he shares with you five practical ways for you to respond when God says no 
to your plans and dreams. Request your free digital copy or order the print copy at wisdomonline.org forward slash no. Join us next time.